Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Mr. Walton, did you make contact with Alien? Will you take him to another planet, to a mothership? How did they communicate with Can you tell me how many of them there were? Were you, were you given food? Injection? It's important the entire world learns of your experience. That's enough! If the teachers are alive, they're not books. They are the very living essences of nature itself. Unbelievably powerful supercomputer that's running our reality, and we don't have a clue yep. as to how to operate it. Say in your mind, say to yourself, I am more than my physical body. Because I am more than physical matter, I can perceive that which is greater than the physical world. Broadcasting from the Forest Tower Studios in the mossy creek bottoms of Cane Creek, Arkansas. I'm Joe Roop and this is Lighting the Void. Voices for Verity in this crazy realm of polarity. Good evening, how you doing? It's Tuesday, February the 27th and the night is cold and it's raining again here in the natural state. Has been for almost a week now as the pre-spring rains come down in the natural state and the moon is waxing on into midnight fire up your chakras, sync both hemispheres of your brain together, and shoot your magical beam of light through your third eye tonight with us as we peer into the void between spirituality and science. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. It's been a long week since I've seen you guys here at Lighting the Void. Now remember though, if this is the first time you're listening, this is a live show broadcasted on the Friends.fm. 
and can be heard on LightingTheVoid.com. Talk stream live. Tune in. Spreaker, iTunes Radio, Radio Guide FM, Radio Guide and more by proxy via the Fringe FM. Talk stream live. Call to listen line is 701-719-3971. That's 701-719-3971. You call that number if you run out of data and you can always listen to the show. I want to say thank you all to have donated to the show, who have shared, who have liked, subscribed, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, the newsletter, everything. It means so much. And if you find anything of value from the show or the Fringe FM, we could use your donations at this point or your shares or reviews to me are just uh, as valuable. All right. So a lot of new cool stuff coming to Fringe FM. Don't forget to this week, John Polk's going to be back Thursday. And we got Crow Triple Seven on Saturday. We got some other new shows coming to the network. A lot of new stuff coming. So I want you guys to get ready for that. Man, another one where I slid into the studio. So, yeah, speaking of all you guys that have supported the show, I want to give you a little bit, a little quick shout out here, okay? Some new supporters on social media. Uh, thank you so much to Nancy. And I hope, if I butcher your name, I apologize. All right. So. Uh, but Nancy, Reynoso, Yvonne Kaluuya, Ant Cox, Eric Ferguson, and Silver Daniels. Thank you guys so much for following. Also, uh, some reviews. Here's some reviews that have been left here. By the way, you guys, if you want to hang out with the cool folks in Spreaker chat, we've got the crowd here. We've got Shift Happens in the chat room. Catalina, Sandra, Yeg, Johnny. I can't scroll up fast enough to get them all. David J. So... Yeah, this is where the cool folks hang out. But if you're listening on anywhere else on the network, live on the Fringe FM, talk stream live, tune in wherever you're listening from. That's all good, too. We love you anyways. All right. So, yeah, um, here's some reviews that were left. I just like to I just want to give a thanks to these guys. All right. Nathan Briney says, uh, great resource for knowledge of the unusual kind, solid and non-judgmental show format, really allows the guests to shine and the hosts ask meaningful follow-up questions. Thank you so much for that, Nathan. And Brent Gregory says, love it, love it, love it. This is the kind of radio uh, that I can relate to. I've been listening on all this stuff on YouTube while driving around. going to go get the Fringe FM app so I can listen live. Thank you from Tulsa and me. Wow. Thanks, Brent. I appreciate that. And Michelle Atkins just left one. Michelle Atkins, man, you guys have some last names. I really don't want to butcher it. But I'm going to say Michelle Atkins or Atkins, Safari. I love this radio show. Joe is the best. Always learn a lot and entertaining AF. You guys know what AF stands for, right? And also, AK Cog gave us the five stars. Really, man, thank you guys. That means a lot. I really really does mean a lot to me when I see stuff like that. So when you leave reviews to me, that's just as good as anything. And last but not least, I want to give a warm, very warm thank you to Yeg. Man, you know what I mean. Really, thank you, sir. I really do appreciate your support. Um, And all of you guys, uh, I wouldn't be here without you. And if I keep rattling on, I'll get all emotional. So anyways, let's get on with the show. So tonight... We're going to go beyond the realms of sleep paralysis and investigate the legend of Slenderman. Is it real or what or who is the Slenderman, right? An internet legend seems to have come to life in a way that some have feared and even some have idolized in even the worst way. I'm sure you guys know the story I'm talking about. Um, it is possible that we 
maybe created this entity. But, however, Nick Redfern, author of several awesome books, is going to be joining us to talk about his new book, The Slender Man Mysteries. Uh, I haven't been this excited in a while, so I'm... If you you know that I am started down this spirit science journey and you have been coming with me along for the ride and I have definitely fell into the 14 world and I think I've graduated from private to private first class in the 14 army so far. You just got to read. That's all you got to do, um, so to speak. <laughs> and I love reading, man. Now that, uh, you know, I used to say, guys, I'll fall asleep when I read books. I just listen to audio books. Well, I've learned a little trick now, and you probably do this too. I'll read maybe a chapter or two a night before I go to sleep, and I've went through Micah Hanks' books he sent me, and I want to tell him thank you as well. Micah sent me uh, Magic Mysticism in the Molecule. What a fantastic book. I've got Nick's book here. I've been reading that as well, and it actually is – I'm starting to get to where I can read a little bit more every night, so I'm starting to enjoy reading again. I never – would have thought that, that I would enjoy reading books the way I used to. Um, I already told you guys about download the app from the App Store, Fringe FM, your Google Play or iTunes App Store. Some of you have messaged me asking about a chat room and stuff like that. You know, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I got uh, I made that app, so it would be really easy for you guys to listen to the Fringe FM. So, like, when I got emails and everything, well, where do I listen to the show live? You know, you got Spreaker links and all these different links. So with the Fringe FM app, you can always depend on that, even if the other ones don't work. But for the most part, they all work. You know, tune in, iTunes radio, all that stuff works. So you guys can listen on any of those, but the Fringe FM app will always always be there. Um, look at there. Sam Glipsy just gave us another, man, another uh, review. That's That's so awesome. So go to the website, sign up to the newsletter so we can do a drawing. We're going to do one probably in a couple weeks. Also, follow, like, subscribe, everything, Lighting the Void. Our little YouTube channel is up to like 800 subscribers, close to it now, I believe. Um, I just throw the archives over there. I'm not real fancy with YouTube. I don't do the keyword thing. I don't hire people to do I probably should. But here lately, YouTube's been banhammering so many people that I'm almost thinking maybe I should take the, my archives down. You know, it's kind of freaky what they're doing to people over there. Um, and tomorrow night, uh, we're going to have Wayne McCroy Jr. on, and we're finally going to have an author talking about the alchemical transhuman agenda, pretty much. So that's going to be really cool. This guy's only been, I think, on like one other radio show, so that's going to be a, a cool show as well. All right, let's get into the news here. Okay, you space junkies, here we go. The moon is going to get its first mobile phone network. Let the space race travel commence, right? <laughs> the moon will get its first mobile phone network next year. And they're going to enable high-definition streaming for the lunar landscape back to Earth, which is part of a project to uh, back to the first privately funded moon mission. But Vodafone Germany, which is a network equipment maker for Nokia and car, uh, I think it's car maker, Audi. Yeah, Audi's, duh said on Tuesday they're working together to support the mission, which was 50 years after the first NASA, the NASA mission where astronauts walked on the moon. I just can't believe it. I thought it would be Verizon or something, not Vodafone. Not saying anything bad about Vodafone. But, uh, but they said it, uh, it appointed Nokia as its technology partner to develop a space-grade network, which will be a small piece of hardware weighing less than a bag of sugar. 
The companies are working with a, Ber- a Berlin-based company, PTS Scientist, on the project with a launch schedule for 2000. It's going to involve some, it's kind of innovative approach to developing the mobile networks. And when I say innovative, I think that's an understatement. But they're not going to do uh, 5G, a 7-Eleven. That's funny. Catalina just put in the chat room. They need to put a 7-Eleven. They're not going to do 5G because everyone's testing that. But, uh, yeah, pretty interesting. So who's going to be the first astronaut gamer to play their Xbox from the moon on this thing? Uh I think this is incredible. Every time I see a new story like this, I feel like all these, I was just watching Battlestar Galactica, the old series, you know, uh, the other night I started over again and it makes me think that, you know, we are coming into some sort of future. We are coming into some sort of, uh, reality like that. So I'm super stoked to see, uh, private industries taking over space exploration and tech instead of the government. I really am. But are they going to have unlimited talk, text and data? (laughs) but when will the other another thing too you know when will the other networks jump on board i mean is this like going to kick start a market of interplanetary cellular networks probably not in 2019 but you can bet your butt if nokia is going to be on the moon and they're going to be like oh yeah we got to get on the moon too and i just don't want them to pepper that beautiful moon with cell towers but i think it's inevitable there's going to be all kinds of junk on that But who will be the first person to get a cellular call for the moon? I'm sure they're going to have a way to relay that signal back to Earth. (laughs) Can you imagine talking to someone on the moon on your new phone? If I told you that this would be a reality, I mean, even 20 years ago, they'd probably lock you up and put you in a padded room. But with Bigelow's floating hotels coming up in like 2023 and the new cell services that are about to start in a few years, or let's just say service, but I'm sure others are going to do it. All we need, right? Catalina's fast food chains and 7-Elevens in space, you know, and uh, we won't have to worry about overpopulation anymore. (laughs) Uh, How does that make you feel? I mean, when you hear that there's going to be floating hotels and cell phone services on the moon in just a few years. Just really think about that because it doesn't sound true when I say it. But this stuff is there's really money behind it. There's really people doing this. It's really like a true thing. Science fiction is slowly becoming science reality, and that's a fact. So now the astronauts can procrastinate their social life in space on their phones, too, just like we do down here. Pretty wild stuff coming down the line. Speaking of things that you only see in movies, how about some creepy stuff like this? Did you guys see that uh, thing about Heart Island? The bones, bones, bones from mass grave sites are just washing up in the local community. Sometimes, uh, I know I can be a bit insensitive at times, but this to me is a bit comical in kind of a dark kind of way, but more than a million, uh, people that were buried since 1980 on Hart Island have washed up on the shore since hurricane Sandy and the cliffs of Hart Island are sort of exposed, you know, that's like kind of cut off and exposed and there's bones that are coming out and washing up on the Island, man. And no one's doing anything about it. They haven't even started repairs or they're not trying to fix it. Uh, You know, people that are buried out there are from like the poorest and the sickest and the most neglected communities, probably pretty much forgotten members of our society. I'm just going to guess. And it really is an indignity that they're having to suffer this, uh, even though they're not suffering in death, but 
or life, excuse me. What I'm trying to say is an indignity that they're suffering in death. Basically they're not being respected, but it's just funny to see how society deals with things like, but we got cell towers on the moon. Never mind somebody's late cousin washing ashore. Huh. I mean, if you guys will check this place out online, it's extremely creepy and depressing. It looks like the whatever that smog place was when Frodo was crossing over to the mountain. That's what it looks like. It's dirty and depressing. It's very sad. Very sad. I was going to play like a horror audio clip, but I decided against it. Um, Because I don't want you to think I'm insensitive. It is kind of funny, but it's kind of sad in a new way, in a little bit of a way, right? All right, moving on. We're going to stay on topic here on this topic of space. I think the space war is coming, and I think in a way that you and I, you know, we're not, I'm not talking about aliens here. The Russian, there's Russian defense companies that have created a plane-mounted laser that can hit satellites now. Now, this is only, this is not a, uh, a this is not checked, but it has been uh, released according to an anonymous source quoted by a Russian news agency, and that agency is called Interfax. So on Saturday, Interfax report cited that the source is saying that weapons maker Almaz Anti has completed work on the anti-satellite complex, which includes the laser and associated ground control gear. Now, they're putting this thing on some type of, I don't even know the model of it. It's called like a bear of A60, but it's a gas laser fitted that's inside a heavily modified cargo plane, kind of. So that's got the U.S. defense officials. They're kind of concerned about it. They put out an article, one little statement that says this. This is what they say, that we assess that Russia and China perceive a need to offset any U.S. military advantage derived from military, civil, or commercial space systems and are increasingly considering attacks against satellite systems as a part of their future warfare doctrine. Now, this was according to Dan Coates, who, directs the, who is the director of the Office of National Intelligence. And he just told a lawyer that. And so, uh, so, yeah, so we get emails and crazy reports and messages about stuff and blowing up in the sky and UFOs all the time. And sometimes, man, I really wonder... And I'm sure you do, too. If this new space race exploration thing, you know, there's other people saying they're seeing rockets hit the ocean and stuff all the time. But I would like to think that there's not this real weird kind of space war going on behind our backs. But my gut tells me that there's something else involved here. I mean, I'd like to think that all this tech and money and inventions that are going into space are just strictly for, you know, exploration. But, you know, the reality is the military has money and things always go to the highest bidder. So um, I predict more stuff falling from our skies in the next few years. But uh, we sit around and we imagine a nuclear war and how bad it would be. But just imagine like a space war where countries are dead set on taking out each other's satellites. Uh, you know, and communications first. You're out eating a sandwich, having a drink, having a coffee. You look up and explosions are happening. Stuff's falling out of the sky. We already see that every now and then. But it's a scary thought, right? Like if they did actually take out our satellites and communications, what do we got left? We got nothing to bounce off of. Those air combat controllers that are in there hiding, painting targets for us, They, you know, if they're across seas, they can't get back to us. And so it's. I think that this is valid. 
I don't know. I guess I'm just scared because with the and I'm not trying to fear monger. I'm not one of those guys that wants to scare you and sensationalize and everything. But I do want to talk about the truth. And to me, the truth is, is with this AI thing coming down the road. With all this new space exploration stuff coming as well. You guys see all these robot videos on Facebook every day. I know you see them. Start putting this together. Go 20 years back, 30 years back in technology. Pretend like you were in the 1970s or something. Would you have pictured at all that we have what we have today for the most part? So most of you that are in the the chat room and most of you that are listening are going to be alive in the next 20 years. We've all seen what happens in 20 years. We've all seen the compound interest of technology. So, yeah, that's all I'm saying. We need to do something about it. I mean, even Elon Musk is trying to do something about it. When the rich are setting out to stop some of that artificial intelligence, getting, letting the military get their hands on it, that's when we got to worry. Anyways, I wanted to get that all in before we go to our first break. I know that was a lot. So, yeah, all right. So I appreciate you being patient with me. When we come back, we're going to delve into the realms of the Slender Man with Nick Redford. Don't go anywhere. I'm Joe Roop. This is Lighting the Void, live on the Fringe FM. We'll be right back. Saturdays on the Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable at 1 Pacific, 4 Eastern. Dark Waters at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott at 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern. Spaced Out Saturday with Joe Roop, 9 Pacific, Midnight Eastern. And S4 with Eric Cooper, Midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. Live Saturdays on the Fringe FM. We rock the paranormal talk online at thefringe.fm. Hey, Fringe FM listeners. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or no Wi-Fi available, you can still listen to every minute of the Fringe FM by calling 701-719-3971. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. Saves your data plan and no extra cost if you have unlimited minutes. Call 701-719-3971. That's 701-719-3971. Listen to the Fringe FM on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Wouldn't you love to have a really sharp memory? More than ever before, people of all ages are struggling with memory problems and brain fog. Whether your poor memory is age-related or due to the effects of chronic stress, you can now improve your memory while reducing stress with the dietary supplement Calm and Clever. That's right, you get two products rolled into one. Some ingredients in Calm and Clever enhance memory and help retain newly learned information more effectively, while other ingredients in Calm and Clever reduce stress by maintaining healthy levels of the stress hormone cortisol. Calm Calm and Clever was created by scientist Kurt Hendricks, a principal investigator in two NIH-funded studies on Alzheimer's disease. To sharpen your mind and feel calm and centered, try Calm and Clever for two months. You'll love the way you feel and think. To order Calm and Clever, call 1-800-728-9948 or visit CalmAndClever.com. 1-800-728-9948 or CalmAndClever.com. You're listening to Lighting the Void Radio with Joseph Rue. Stay up to date right now. Now, lightingthevoid.com. Don't feed the archons, feed ducks instead, and listen to Shift Happens on the Fringe FM, Fridays, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific. Cortana out. Quack. I'm getting older and noticing that my body just doesn't work as well as it used to. So I like to keep fit as possible by hitting the gym a few times a week. Recently, I started having a nagging bicep pain and it got so bad I couldn't even lift the weights. When I was complaining about it to a friend, he told me about Angioprim. He said chelation helps remove toxins, heavy metals, and cholesterol in veins and arteries that may cause blockages. You know, after just one week of taking Angioprim, the pain was gone and now I'm back in the gym full strength. Scientific research proves the active ingredient in angioprim has superior oral chelation action that helps promote cardiovascular health. So to learn more, go to angioprim.com. That's A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M.com. Or talk to a trained consultant. Call angioprim toll-free at 877-882-7221. You'll feel better with more energy. Call 877-882-7221 or go to the website angioprim.com. Oh, you know what I like about me? <laughs> this is Rich Giordano, host of The Paranormal Code. No, I'm serious. The show's on twice a week now, Sunday and Thursday, on the Fringe.fm and Spreaker, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Yeah, it's two hours. It's live. And I do a show like you've never heard before. So you're going to come here. You're going to get your information. You're going to be entertained. But you're also going to hear the truth like, you know, you won't forget. Like you've never heard before. And for those of you who've been following, thank you. Thank you for talking me into this extra night. Now I'm on twice. Great. Hey, good for you, right? The Paranormal Code. This means something. This is Lighting the Void Radio with your host, Joseph Roop. It's the show about truth-seeking and freeing the spirit, shattering your limited beliefs, revealing hidden truths, and much, much more. Welcome back to Lighting the Void. Thanks for sticking around. 
Don't forget tomorrow night we're going to be talking about the alchemical transhumanism agenda with Wayne McCoy Jr. Yeah, that's going to be a cool show. I'm finally going to get an author of one of those books to be on. So let's bring on our guest, Nick Redfern. Now, we've talked about this before, sleep paralysis. It happens to some more than others. But what do you do when you feel wide awake and you can't move? We've had many conversations about this, but what do you do when you see hunched over you in the shadows? This big 10-foot-tall entity with like spider-like limbs, dressed in an old black suit. The entity has a pale face and missing eyes, nose, ears, and mouth. You try to scream out, but when you finally do get to yell, it evaporates. And you just had an encounter with what people are calling the Slender Man. Now, what is the Slender Man? What began on the internet has moved into other realms, it seems. Is the Slender Man a tulpa? Is it a thought form? Is it an elemental? Is the internet turning against us in a benevolent way? Nick Redfern's here to talk to us about that with his new book, The Slender Man Mysteries. And Nick Redfern is a full-time author and journalist specializing in a wide range of unsolved mysteries, including Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, UFO sightings, government conspiracies, alien abductions, and paranormal phenomena. He writes regularly for the London Daily Express newspaper, 14 Times, Fate, and UFO Magazine. His previous books include... Three Men Seeking Monsters, Strange Secrets, Cosmic Crashes, and the FBI Files, among his many exploits. He's got over 40 books. Redfern has investigated reports of lake monsters in Scotland, vampires in Puerto Rico, werewolves in England, aliens in Mexico, and sea serpents in the United States. He travels and lectures extensively around the world, originally from England. He currently lives in Dallas, Texas area. You can visit his website at nickredford14.blogspot.com. Nick, welcome to Lighting the Void for the first time, man. It's awesome to have you here. Well, well thanks, Joseph. No problem, brother. It's it's cool. I haven't been this excited since Whitley was on the show because, like I was telling you during the break, I'm starting to fall in love with reading all over again. When I was a kid, well, I used to read those. You remember those Goosebump magazine uh, books, right? That was the thing uh, to read back in the day. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get them, uh, get back into reading. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, man. So what got you interested in the Slender Man? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, well, it's one of these subjects where, you know, as you said in the introduction, it began as sort of like a, an internet creation. And I didn't really sort of pay that much attention to it at the time, you know, because it was just sort of a, a bit of fun on the internet. It wasn't anything sort of paranormal. But I sort of really got interested within a year when people claimed to have seen the Slender Man in the real world, 
where it had, you know, that takes it to another level where you have this thing that started out as just like an internet meme almost, um, but then changed into something where people saw it in their bedrooms, like you mentioned just now with sleep paralysis, or they saw it in the woods outside the home. So clearly, you know, there'd been a shift in reality somehow. So that's when it sort of really caught my attention and, um, and, and got me involved and, and interested in it. And um, so, yeah, I followed it over the last few years. And um, one of the things that sort of surprised me that other than one guy named Robin Swope, who wrote a book called Slender Man from Fact to Fiction, other than Robin, nobody had ever sort of written about the, the subject to any significant length. So um, I thought, well, you know, sort of almost 10 years after the Slender Man story first surfaced in 2009 I thought well why not now um sort of just you know sort of put something out that essentially describes the last 10 years or so and how and why it's gone from being an internet internet creation to something that's supernatural really yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I looked in the beginning of your book and seen all the, you know, the research you did, the interviews that you did, uh, the uh, just the extensive research on the subject. I was really impressed because, you know, I seen my son playing Slender Man on Minecraft. Like, maybe I don't know if it was Minecraft, but it was a video game that had Slender Man. And I was like, this was a long time ago. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, Dad, that's the. That's the Slender Man. You don't know? And I was like, I have no idea. And I looked into it, and it's all the rave, right? And so now, apparently, people are seeing this thing during sleep paralysis. And it does make me wonder about thought forms. You know, I don't really understand topas that much. Well, yeah, I mean, we we can talk about that. But people probably be sort of interested first to sort of know what the Slender Man is actually is and how it came to be created and so i'll give you sort of a a background on that it sort of all began um in the summer of 2009 specifically june 2009 and there's a website called something awful and they have these contests where you know people can um well in in the case of the slender man there was this contest to see who could come up with sort of the creepiest character for the internet era so, you know, in other words, it was a case of people sort of putting their imagination together and, and trying to create, you know, sort of a, a next generation ste- uh, Freddy Krueger, you know, or Jason, that kind of thing. And um, one of the people who sort of took up the challenge of this contest was a guy named Eric Knudsen. And Eric Knudsen is the guy who essentially created the Slender Man in the sense that he came up with the name, he came up with the image. And again, for people who may not fully know, um, the Slender Man is sort of this seven to nine foot tall human looking figure, but with arms that sort of um, hang down to its knees, very skinny and tall. And it wears this black suit, white shirt and black tie. And its face is sort of missing the eyes, the nose, the mouth and the ears. And there's just sort of little shadows where they should be. So it's like a faceless face. And it has these a pair of like, well, actually not a pair, but two or three pairs of like octopus type tentacles coming out of its back. So, you know, it does look sort of memorable and weird and creepy. Now, what happened was that Eric Knudsen uh, uploaded his story of the, for the Slender Man to something awful. And then from there, 
he created a few photographs, a couple of photographs, where he sort of inserted the image of the Slender Man into these pictures. They're like black and white pictures showing groups of kids with the Slender Man lurking behind in the trees. And it sort of demonstrated, you know, that in the stories, the, um, the Slender Man was like hostile and dangerous to children. And for reasons that really aren't clear to this day, the, although, the, you know, quite a few people um, you know, uh, took part in this contest, the Slender Man was the one that really captured everybody's imagination. And literally within days and weeks, people were writing their own fictional stories about the Slender Man and, and uh, uploading them and, you know, with their own um, artwork and photographs, and, you know, Photoshop photos, that kind of thing. And then there were blogs set up and forums and um, chat rooms, um, Wikipedia page, all sorts of things. And so within literally a couple of weeks of being created as just sort of this creepy creature for the internet, a bit of entertainment, it became like a huge phenomenon where you had literally around the world hundreds of thousands of kids kind of fascinated by and fixated on this character, the Slender Man. And that went on like that with, you know, with kids and people um, writing stories, uploading them and, and adding to the, the myth of who he was and giving him sort of a background history, that kind of thing. And it was all just a bit of fun. Um, but what happened was that a few months after that, that's when people started to claim to see the Slender Man in the real world. And as you said, sometimes in like, sleep paralysis, other people, though, claimed to have actually seen it. You know, they felt sort of compelled to go to the bedroom window as if something was calling them and they'd look outside and they'd see the Slender Man sort of lurking in the trees on their property, that kind of thing. Um, and that leads into the issue, as you just mentioned, of what are known as thought forms and, and tulpas. Now, tulpa is a Tibetan word for thought form. That's the sort of the, the closest translation into English is thought form. And the idea of a thought form is that the human mind, if enough of us focus on one thing, whether deliberately or just in your subconscious, you know, if there's not just we talk about five or ten, but hundreds of thousands of people are focusing on one thing constantly and obsessing about it, drawing it, talking about it, dreaming about it, that the power of the human mind can actually create like a real world version of the fictional creation. And that's one of the big theories as to why now people are seeing the Slender Man, because what's happening in the theory is that you have literally, you know, I mean, the figures are incredible, you know, for people who follow the Slender Man. It's, I mean, it's in, se it's in seven figures. It's not even, you know, hundreds of thousands. It's literally in the millions. And so you have all these kids focusing on the Slender Man and inadvertently, not deliberately, but inadvertently by focusing so much of their attention and their imagination and their dream state and everything else on it, then suddenly the Slender Man becomes like self-aware and it strides out of the imagination into the real world in kind of like a semi-physical phantasm type state. So it's like, you know, the human mind the collective human mind of millions of people can create something and it, and it steps out of the mind and then becomes sort of independence of the, of the creator, if you like. Yeah. I had the, uh, Daniel Joseph on the show who was the student of, 
Doskalos, which they called the Magus of Strovalos, and he would say that uh-huh. we would create um, thought forms and elementals, and they would actually yeah. be a real thing. And the problem was, and this is what I'm going to ask you about this, is you couldn't get rid of them afterwards. <laughs> well, that, that's actually one of the, the um, sort of more disturbing aspects of these things. You know, it's kind of like... It's kind of like when you open a door, you know, it's easy to open a door and let something in, but it's not always necessarily that easy to close the door, you know, when the thing has got it wide open. Um, but basically, yeah, when the, again, sort of the, the, the extra part of the story is that when the thought form is sort of fully created and independent of the creators, which would explain why people see it in their bedrooms or lurking in the woods, the the theory is that the thought form, obviously now it's created and it's got this lease on life, it can then essentially, uh, you know, it doesn't want to go back to having no kind of existence. You know, it's just suddenly being brought into existence and um, it wants to stay in that position. It wants to attain that position. And so the, 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 thought, the thought form then turns on the creator and that can be by threatening them, menacing them, um, invading their dream states, which we've seen happen on a number of occasions, just terrorizing people. And um, as a means to, number one, to essentially threaten them that you will not destroy me or else, that kind of thing. But the other theory is that tulpas, thought forms, that they survive, that whereas we eat food, you know, and drink liquid to survive and to live, um, the theory is that with thought forms, they feed on high states of human energy. So, in other words, the theory there is that with the, with the Slender Man and all these other thought forms, they often appear for people and terrify them. And why do they terrify them? Because when they terrify the person, you've got all these sort of negative energies, adrenaline pumping around your body, stress chemicals... And the theory is they feed on that negative energy, kind of like like the equivalent of a fictional vampire. You know, in the movies, you, the, like the guy with the, with the cloak and the fangs, you know, um, attacks a beautiful girl and drains her of blood, you know. Mm. It's kind of like that, but we're talking about a psychic vampire where you're not drained of blood, but you're drained of a form of energy. Um, and so, in other words, that may explain why a lot of people have seen the Slender Man and other thought forms. They get sick. And there's some cases where they've, they've lost weight, they've become anemic, um, they've, yes. you know, they've got no energy, they get, look pale, and it's literally because they're being, they're being bled dry you know, of energy. So that's one of the other theories, that the Slender Man appears specifically to scare and terrify people, and then it can feed on that, um, that state of fear. So have you had any, any experiences with fear like that in your life where maybe in sleep paralysis or in a paranormal investigation? Yeah, I actually had um, sleep paralysis twice. Um, and one was like really vivid. It was nothing to do with the Slender Man, but it was, um, I, I mean, I, I don't mind talking about this because it acts as kind of like a bit of a caution for people. Yeah. There was a period in sort of the late 90s through the early 2000s, when I did this quite a lot, tried to perform rites and rituals to try and manifest something to come through, which 
you know, with hindsight, it can be quite reckless, you know. Um, and I actually don't recommend people do it unless your mindset is in a mode where you feel you personally have the strength to get rid of it, which I, which I did. But you only have to be sort of a little bit unsure of yourself and something along those lines. And people who are like that or a bit sort of um, weak-willed or whatever, they're the ones who really can get you know, get into trouble when the things get their claws into them. But for me, you know, I, I also try to, you know, sort of summon them essentially, but also to be aware that I would also be able to create like a, you know, the image of a wall to keep them away too. Now, at the height of doing all this, uh, this was when I was living um, just outside of um, Beaumont, Texas, down in, in South Texas, or Southwest, Southeast Texas. And um, I was living in actually a little town just outside Beaumont called Needland. And um, I had a couple of um, weird experiences of sleep paralysis. One was just of like a shadow looming over me, and I couldn't move. But the, the far more vivid one... Um, the, the house where me and my ex-wife lived at the time uh, was a duplex, so he had like, you know, two on either side, and there was a long corridor. And um, I remember being sort of semi-awake and just knowing that there was something dangerous coming down the corridor. And it came in the room, and it had like a, a long, like a monk's cloak on with a hood. But the, the face was like a, a wolf, but it was upright like a man. So, you know, it kind of created images of like a, like a werewolf kind of thing. And, um, and it was making these sort of, it, it's hard to describe, but it was like growls, but it didn't sound like a dog would growl. It was more like, if you imagine a language spoken in growls, that's what it was like. That's the best way I can describe it. It didn't sound like random growls. It sounded like words but growled, but words I couldn't understand. And I had to sort of force myself and fight to sort of break out the sleep paralysis. And when I did, it was gone. And that, that's typical in all of these, um, you know, sleep paralysis situations. You have the sense of menace, the sense of something coming towards you, and a feeling that you're either semi-paralyzed or completely paralyzed, and you have to just fight and fight to break it. So... You know, I, I do believe, because I've experienced it, that if you go calling on these things and try and summon it up, they kind of, it's almost like they pick up on like an alarm bell or a, you know, a burglar alarm. It, something tips them off and they know someone's trying to contact them. And then they kind of turn the tables on you because they're, in most cases, you know, they're pretty much always negative and dangerous there's i've never heard of anybody who's had a sleep paralysis situation where it's positive you know or good um so i think all these things are they may actually all be the same thing and possibly you know they can appear in different ways to different people someone sees a werewolf somebody sees a slender man someone sees the black-eyed children somebody sees the men in black someone sees a ghost it may be that it the the creature, the thought form, maybe manifests in something that in your subconscious right. is something that, you know, your worst nightmare. Maybe it was when you were a little kid, you, you had nightmares about ghosts or werewolves. So, you know, it picks into your subconscious and, and appears in the worst um, image that, you know, is, is for you. In your research about this, did you find any, any um, 
because we talk about this that children and I as a child I was extremely messed with in the dream world and and had to deal with a lot of really bad fear situations like you're explaining about and it seems to me like I could be wrong but it seems like children get messed with a lot and I don't know if that's a generational well, they do. thing or- and Yeah I, I don't know if it's so much a generational thing uh, my my personal thought on why kids have so many of these experiences is because you know, it doesn't matter if you live in the U.S., the U.K., where I'm originally from, Russia, Germany, China. Every, you know, we're all human at the end of the day. And I think, you know, you can look at kids all around the world. What they have, you know, when you're sort of three years old, you know, and you start to get sort of self-aware and whatever, two or three years old to when you're about six or seven, your imagination is really hyper. You know, we, we think of things when you're little kids and although it's imagination you really believe it's real you know like another parallel i mean you could speak to kids like i said in the us the uk russia anywhere and i bet all of them would have fears of things under the bed or in the closet you know it's not like an american phenomenon you know what i mean it's a for some reason kids everywhere you know get frightened they go to bed at night and the closet door is not quite shut and it's dark and what's in there you know, and yeah, um, yeah. they worry they get out the bed, something's going to grab their ankle, that kind of thing. And now when you're a little kid, your imagination really buys into that totally. Um, then as we get older, we kind of lose that really deep imagination, you know, and um, and a lot of people say, well, that's it's just nonsense. Of course, there's nothing in the wardrobe. But when you're a kid, that imagination is so strong. And I think these creatures can tap into the human imagination and it's much easier to essentially invade the mind of a child because a a child's mind is full of wonder and imagination and it's harder for them to get into us because we you know people either lose that belief in the imagination so that stops them or you know we're mentally and physically stronger to prevent them so i think that's why kids uh, get attacked more because they're wide open to so many things that it's it's like just leaving the front door unlocked, you know, at night, that kind of thing. I think you're right about that. I think that children are getting pro- fear programmed from a young age because they're so, like you say, susceptible to it that that they yeah. they want to instill this program into them or something. But I've had this the the same experience you're talking about because I messed around with astral travel, Nick, and I thought it was something that I could do. And you know, I'm listening to all these books and I'm doing it okay here comes the sleep paralysis and the vibration and i had a few cool experiences but one night i had this thing hovering over my face and just like you said i was so full of fear i didn't overcome it i was really because it surprised me you know and it was right in my face and i would just turn my head and was like oh god you know what is that and i made this loud scream but it sounded weird and it disappeared and i woke up and that kind of shook me up from doing that stuff anymore so i can definitely relate to it Well, you know, it's interesting you say that at first, you know, you had some cool experiences because a lot of people say that, but it starts off good and positive. And I think that's deliberate. You know, it's like, um, you know, the the idea of making it all seem cool as a way to lure you in. And then you do it more and more because you think it's friendly and, you know, benevolent. And then when you're in so far, then it suddenly shows its true colors. And by that time, it's too late. It, you're already locked in with it, you know. 
Do you think that since this is like, uh, you know, magic, if you look at magic, it deals with consciousness mm-hmm. and magicians are always trying to do work yeah. in the astral realm. Do you think that maybe there's black magicians that use these thought forms and tulpas against people? I hear people talk about it, but I've never really done mm. extensive research on it. Well, yeah, I mean, this kind of relates to something what I talk about in the book on the Slayer Man, which is called, which is called chaos magic. And chaos magic, for people who, who might be wondering what it is, you know, a lot of people think of magic, you know, you think of a, a guy on stage pulling a rabbit out of a hat or, you know, a... Um, Sawing a hot girl in half, you know. That's what we think of as magic today, you know. But there are other types of magic that go back thousands of years. And chaos magic is basically the modern name, modern term, for a kind of magic that's been around for a long time. The idea of using spells, incantations, rituals and rites to summon something up to essentially achieve a goal in your life. Now, that may be, you know, somebody may be focused on money, somebody on power, somebody on good health. Um, And you might have someone um, who, you know, wants to perform, uh, you know, kill someone or make their life hell. Um, So, again, it's very similar to the idea of um, conjuring up... um, a thought form, you know, or like the Slender Man. In fact, it's very almost identical, um, you know, the idea. But with chaos magic, it's more based around specific rituals and that kind of thing, rather than with the tulpa, um, the thought form, where it's just mainly, you know, the imaginations creating it. But, you know, with one of the most sort of uh, the people who really um, sort of championed this was the... Um, famous uh, occultist Alistair Crowley and um, he performed all sorts of rituals he used to have a house on the shores of Loch Ness called Beleskin House you know and, and it's interesting that it wasn't too long after he was at Beleskin House performing all these rituals that sightings increased of the Loch Ness monsters and some people think that they're not actually flesh and blood animals that they could be some sort of supernatural creatures in the Loch actually created or strengthened by Crowley's actions on in his house right on the shore of Loch Ness. So, you know, you've got a lot of weird stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are stories, though, of people using this sort of ritualistic chaos magic to, you know, attack a person, to cause them bad luck, ill health, right. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's like pretty much everything in life, you know, there's a good side, a bad side, a light side and a dark side. And, um, people get sucked into different directions, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David, uh, Jay from the chat room says, does Nick have some perspective on the difference between sleep paralysis and the hypnagogic state or hypnagogia? He said, there's times when I, I see things, uh, without paralysis, but, uh, those weren't the most powerful emotionally, man. Well, yeah, there are. That's a good question because there actually are different states of what people would call um, sleep paralysis. I mean, sleep paralysis is, is sort of the simple term for a lot of different things. Now, in some cases, um, you know, people see these creatures or these entities in the bedroom, and you know, they're, they're frozen and they cannot move throughout the experience. There are other cases um, 
when they can move, you know, to a degree. And there are some cases where the person, you know, the experience suddenly starts and they're able to sort of break out of it immediately. So the, the experience barely begins before it's actually over. And, and then you have other experiences where it gets, becomes more vivid, where perhaps the person can smell the creature. You know, there have been a lot of cases where they have this smell of like um, brimstone or sulfur, which is like, if you look through ancient texts going back hundreds and hundreds of years, the smell of brimstone and sulfur was tied in with supernatural beings and the devil and um, demons and that kind of thing. So you have people who have smell vivid odours in the bedroom. Um, you see other cases where they actually seem to be physically able to um, interact, where there are cases where people have had bruises on their wrists as the creature has tried to hold them down or scratches on their face, as if to say, even if it begins in the dream state, it's like the creature can take on a 3D physical form. You know, it, it literally exits the dream or the state, the sleep state you're in and becomes temporarily physical. And, you know, I think that's happening certain... Well, I know that's happening, according to the witnesses, in some of the Slenderman cases. So... And then you have other cases like that one I had where you hear voices and noises. Um, and then, you know, so the most disturbing thing is this kind of sense afterwards that things don't seem right in the house. You know, it's, it's kind of like just a strange feeling that there's something wrong in the atmosphere, but you're just not able to put your finger on it. Yeah. So... So, yeah, there are a lot of different aspects. As I said, some people just see the thing. Others smell it. You know, they get scratched by it. Um, sometimes, you know, the sleep paralysis can last much longer in some cases than others. Some people get them all the time. Um, some people get them once or twice in their life. You know, I've had it twice. Um, I know of people who get it like once every couple of weeks, you know, which would be a nightmare for you. I mean, li literally a nightmare. You yeah, know? I bet. Yeah, so I heard you on another radio show talking about um, the community. You know, you said we're all in the same community here. I mean, mm -hmm. some of us do radio shows, some of us write books, some of us do magazines and blogs. Even though some don't think it, we are all in the same community. Yeah. And, and a lot yeah. of this is um, um, talked about. And it's talked about in kind of an entertaining kind of way, but in this, I get a little bit of hint of a warning here, especially now that I'm talking to you. Is there anything in this community that, if you had to say to the this community about, you know, sleep paralysis and playing around with it, would you definitely mm. warn against it? I mean, I know you said that earlier, uh, but I'm just trying to let, feel your well, importance level here. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell people not to do it. I mean, that's not my place, really. What I would say. Is the expert what I would what I would do is to share with, which I've done tonight is share with people the experiences I had when I sort of performed these you know um, experiments and how it turned bad and I would warn people that if you try it you know try and sum it up a, an archetypal in excuse me an archetypal imagery of you know a particular creature and you focus on it and you bring it through. Chances are it won't be a positive thing, or it may just, it may start out like that and quite benevolent for the first two or three times. Then when it's got its, like I said, its claws into you, then it suddenly changes, you know. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, uh, I wouldn't tell people, um, don't do this. 
I would yeah. say just be aware that there are hazards if you do. Um, and a lot of it, the, the extent to which it gets its grips into you, a lot of it is based on your own personal strength of character or how you react in stressful situations, um, things like that. So, you know, it, it, it can be hazardous. And, and I knew going into it, it was going to be hazardous. But for me, I also knew that... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In a strange way, but in a dangerous way, this actually allows us to contact or communicate with these things but you know it's not it's not a, a great situation mm-hmm. you know my, my goal was to hopefully try and understand more what they actually are you know are they thought forms created by the imagination or when we sleep are we not just dreaming but are we kind of astrally traveling to other realms and do we bring something back sometimes? I think it could be a combination of the two. But I was hoping by doing this, and despite the danger, I was hoping that it would give me some insight into what we're dealing with. But it didn't work like that. It worked where it was just a case of trying to scare the you-know-what of me, you right. know, yeah. and, uh, and, and just and use you, again, like as a vessel to bleed you dry. Of, of energy or whatever so um you know like a, like i said like a psychic vampire situation so um yeah i mean all i can do is, is you know tell people my experiences and tell them about the very similar ones that friends and colleagues of my mine have had and um and then you know it's it's down to the individual then as to you sure. know what they want to do with it, so yeah i mean i've i've like I said, I've studied books with Robert Monroe and William Buellman, and they, you have to get through that state. And they say, oh, it's just fear. All you got to do is learn to over- – they talk about it like it's so effortlessly. Just learn to overcome that fear. And I'm sure they do it because, like you say, they got great will. But uh, from my experience, uh, when I had that moment, I had a moment of weakness, you know, and fear. And it got worse, as you say. It's like almost like, yeah, they fed off of it. But uh, – we uh we got to go into the first break. We're already halfway through the show, guys. So this is getting interesting. We're going to continue our discussion with Nick Redfern, author of the Slender Man Mysteries. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Dennett from PrestonDennett.Weebly.com, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Do you or a loved one suffer migraine headaches? Listen to what scientist Kurt Hendricks has to say. 35 million people in the United States suffer with debilitating migraines. If you or a loved one are one of them, you need to know about MigRelief. Hi, I'm Kurt Hendricks, the scientist that formulated and patented the MigRelief migraine formula. MigRelief is a non-prescription dietary supplement recommended by neurologists, pharmacists, and pediatricians to address nutritional deficiencies in both adults and children over two with migraines. Try MigRelief for three months and see the powerful difference it can make in your life or get your money back, no questions asked. Go to MIG911.com or call 800-MIG-7354. You can change your life today. So if you suffer from migraines, don't wait. Call 800-MIG-7354. That's 800-MIG-7354 or visit MIG911.com. Natural Health Solutions with Chris and Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Great, Chris. Now you're the CEO of GetTheTea.com, right? Yes, I am. What is GetTheTea.com? I mean, is this tea you buy in a store? Well, no, it's not. Life Change Tea is just that, life-changing. Life Change Tea is an herbal tea that gently cleanses your body from intruders. What do you mean by intruders? Well, intruders are toxins, chemicals, GMOs, heavy metals, and more. They're in our food, in our water, in our air we breathe. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. And Life Change Tea will help you with removing these, as you say, intruders? That's right, Chris. Are there side effects with this tea? Well, you might lose a little weight. When you clean your colon, you lose weight, you feel better, and you have more energy. Wow. Ronnie, where can people purchase Life Change Tea? Oh, that's easy. GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Ronnie, I want to thank you for being on the show. People, don't forget, GetTheTea.com. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. We're still getting strange on Sundays. Hey everyone, it's me, Dave Cruz, host of Beyond the Strange Radio, letting you know we're on live Sunday nights right here on the Fringe FM. The Strange Sunday saga continues live at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Listen on thefringe.fm or at beyondthestrange.com. Again, that's Sunday nights, 5 p.m. Pacific. See you there. Tired of talking about the weather? No shift. Well, Shift Happens is here to fulfill your desires. As you reach that point in life where you crave tantalizing conversation about reality, ufology, the occult, and the conspiracies within while simultaneously finding yourself desperately in need of your very own theme music, which we've got plenty of that too. So be sure to tune in to Shift Happens every Friday night from 7 to 9 Pacific, right here on The Fringe FM. Because the weather sucks, 
and you need some theme music. FM listeners, guess what? TalkStream Live has just released a new paranormal app exclusively for the paranormal community called Paranormal Radio. Paranormal Radio has a great selection of streaming talk shows dealing with UFOs, the supernatural, sacred geometry, NDEs, and much more, including a network highly recommended, The Fringe FM. You can download Paranormal Radio right now from Google Play and the iTunes App Store. Hi, folks. CBD is the home run hitter for health right now. Why, you ask? Because of what it does for the body. Unfortunately, I can't tell you all about the benefit. You know, there's reasons. Do your due diligence and log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com. Ancient Life Oil uses organic ingredients and is blended in coconut oil for some of the best benefits. Legal in 50 states and non-psychoactive. Log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com. Select Joe Roop at checkout at ancientlifeoil.com. This is Lighting the Void Radio with your host, Joseph Roop. It's the show about truth-seeking and freeing the spirit, shattering your limited beliefs, revealing hidden truths, and... Welcome back to Lighting the Void. I'm Joe Roop. We are live on the Fringe FM. We are here with author and paranormal researcher Nick Redfern. We're talking about the Slender Man mysteries. And uh, yeah, I was telling Nick during the break that I started to even get a little bit of a creepy vibe as I'm talking about this and the storms kicked up out here in the studio. So yeah, more goosebumps for me. That happens to me sometimes. But Nick, thanks for uh, being with us on the show, man. This has been a real interesting yeah, no- conversation. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be on the show. Thanks. Yeah, this um, question I wanted to ask you, I wanted to kind of go back. Um, did you say that that some people actually saw this thing in reality, like they saw it with their own eyes, not just in the dream state, or did I hear that wrong? The Slender Man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about the Slender Man, you mean? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got probably... Um, 15 or 20 cases where people have said, you know, they've seen the Slender Man um, literally like in the woods or outside the fence line by their house. Um, other people, um, you know, wide awake, had sleep paralysis but what, managed to break it. And when they were wide awake, it was still in there. It wasn't like it, you know, suddenly vanished as they so often do in these cases. Um, I got a really weird book. I talk, excuse me, a really weird case in the book I talk about where back in the 50s, a guy, uh, young, it was at the time he was a young boy, and he said he saw almost like a procession of slender men, like 20 or 30 of them. And this sort of gets to another aspect of the story where even though the slender man wasn't created till 2009, it's almost as if, as some researchers think, he actually subconsciously tapped into something that was already existing and unknowingly created the Slender Man in the form of some ancient archetype supernatural being that could have been around for thousands of years. And you do find throughout a lot of mythology and, and supernatural phenomena and history tales of tall, creepy black figures, you know, sort of shadowy figures. Um, and so in that sense... Um, 
you know, that, that might explain some of these other cases. But yeah, there's there's a lot of reports um, that relate to um, literally in the real world, nothing to do with the dream state at all. And I've got one, one really weird story um, in the book from a, a woman I interviewed named Lacey, uh, who's a flight attendant. And like so many people who get interested in the Slender Man phenomenon, it didn't just remain an interest, it became an obsession. And almost everybody, um, but, you know, particularly the kids who get involved and interested, it does become a, an obsession. And, you know, it's never good to sort of obsess on anything, really, <laughs> never mind the Slender Man. But she told me how she, um, she was digging into all this, largely online, um, and, you know, she was um, just printing off articles off the net and um, printing paintings and drawings that people had made. And she set, created like, um, you know, like, a, like a, a huge file on the Slender Man all that printed off all the chat room um, chats and forums and things like this. And, you know, it was like at the end of it, I think it was like, I don't know, sort of 500 pages, 600 pages of paper, you know, that she put all this together. Wow. And bear in mind that she was doing all this research online. She told me how uh, on three occasions, always late at night, um, she actually saw, she said she saw the image of the Slender Man like a silhouette on her laptop, as if somehow it had got in the laptop. On occasion, it was like the, the faceless face that he has, you know, like I said at the beginning, it's just a face with no eyes, no nose, no mouth, no ears, just little vague shadows where they should be she saw that on one occasion then on another occasion she, she saw that sort of the spindly figure like the spidery figure and then on the third occasion um she heard this sort of whispery raspy voice say we're friends now or something along those lines and that's when she sort of brought it all to a halt and she destroyed well dumped all her papers walked away from the subject and um Robin Swope, who, as I said, is the, the first guy to write a book on um, The Slender Man, she had a copy of Robin's book, and she actually burned it. She, just, she literally set it on yeah. fire in the sink and burned it and um, yeah, in, in like a bowl. And um, that's, you know, so that's three ways you can have these experiences. One is sort of whether in sleep paralysis and then it becomes something when it's wide, you're wide awake and it's still there, or you happen to be driving to work, you've got a big obsession with the Slender Man, you see him at the edge of the road or in the woods. And then the third one is like this, you know, the the internet angle of sort of, um, which kind of reminds me a little bit of like, you know, the Matrix movies where, right. you know, you have this sort of internet-based dream world we're all living in, in the movies, you know. And it's kind of like that a little bit where, you know, you're, you're looking looking for information on the internet about the slender man and then the slender man kind of wor works its way into the world of virtual reality you know so um a lot of strange encounters along those lines yeah well i had uh spoken to thomas campbell who's a physicist and he talks about the out-of-body experience and consciousness and he he's got a trilogy of books that talks about exactly what you said like this is all just consciousness and it's a virtual reality type type deal. And this guy's, you know, is a physicist. So I've got to listen to him a little bit. And, uh, it makes me wonder how much power our minds have, you know, the, like the old hermetic philosophy, like, are we really, 
I mean, how much power that we're unaware of that we're doing to ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I think, you know, it's interesting that, um, you know, when you, when you look into all this, you know, this, this angle of virtual reality and the matrix and, um, and dream worlds, you know, um, it would explain, you know, if we are living in something like a real version of the Matrix, you know, for people who don't know, I'm sure most people do, but if there are a few listed who don't know, in the Matrix, um, we're all living in this dream world. You know, the, the world we think is real is actually a dream. And we're really all sort of in these pods feeding electricity to all these machines in the future. We're not really even in the latter part of the 20th century or whatever. We're actually like 200 years later than we think we are but we've all been placed into this virtual reality dream world of the you know the late 1990s now one of the characters i've actually got the page up in the from the book here so i can read it to you um lauren fishburne's character morpheus in the matrix says to neo who's played by keanu reeves he says have you ever had a dream neo that you were so sure was real what if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? Now, you know, we've all had those dreams where it seems so real, and then you kind of sigh with relief when you wake up and you realize it was just a dream. But if you think about it, if that dream was so real and you never woke up from it, you would never know it was just a dream. You see what I mean? Uh, yeah. So uh, it's yeah. kind of... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's kind of like, so how do you actually know we're not in a dream? We aren't, you only know you're in a dream because when you wake up from it, if we're prevented from waking up from that dream and you have a really advanced dream world, which can interact with everybody you know it's not your own little dream we're all interacting in some way with the with the dream state then that would allow us to sort of independently exist but also it would also mean that we are still in that dream-like state you know and that could allow for manipulation and it could explain why like in the in the matrix movies you have these men in black type characters which are called the agents and they get inserted into the into the matrix um and maybe something like that you know something equivalent like the the slender man gets inserted into the um our dream world in the same way that you know if you downloaded something you know or uploaded something it's kind of the same kind of the same perspective really well i noticed that you you know your website is you know 4 com, <laughs> and 
I have just, you know, in the past year got into for it, and it was Jordan Maxwell that turned me on to it. And you talk about that. It does, when you talk about the men in black type thing, it does, I really kind of, I mean, I don't have proof of it, Nick, but I really believe mm. there's something out there that it's keeping us mind manipulated. And, and it uses fear to keep us that way. That's why I think they do it to children so much. But that's just a theory of mine, you know. Well, yeah, and I mean, yeah, when you mention Fort, for people who might not know, Charles Fort, he was like one of the early sort of 20th century people, like 100 years ago, you know, who collected and wrote about weird mysteries of everything, strange creatures, ghosts, strange things in the sky, weird coincidences, you know, just odd things. And uh, he wrote some really good uh, books like Low and Wild Talents, and um, and you still get his books to this day. Um and so, yeah, I mean, there, I think everybody has a weird occasion now and again when it seems like reality isn't reality, you know, where somebody has a really weird coincidence. You know, you're thinking about someone you haven't seen for years and then you run into them, you know, like decades, and then you run into them to 10 minutes later in the local store or something. Yeah. That kind of thing happens a lot, you know, and it's almost as if, reality is playing with you or unreality is playing with you and you think well that just can't happen but it did you know so um right. i think there are there are a few pointers i don't say we're fully living in a matrix world but there are a few things that where reality gets does get blurred from times to time from time to time and things happen which in just a a physical 3D world and nothing else, those things shouldn't happen, but, but they actually do happen, you know. Right, exactly. I I totally buy into that. I really do. Um, and, I mean, even Jordan said when he was 19 he had that experience with the alien people that said, hey, read this book by Charles Fort when he was a kid and told him this is the closest thing to reality. I can't imagine someone telling me that and then going and reading that book. I mean, that changes or the books by Fort, you know, and it changes everything, everything that we've been taught, you know. Yeah. But and there's of course, no proof you know, the of problem it. Is, but, well, there's no proof as such, but, you know, well, there is in the sense if you've had these experiences, right. you know you've had them. So in any, you know, basically that is your proof. It's just it's not physical proof, you know, but you know that something's happened to you. And... um but the problem is, you know, we don't understand it. And of course, the bigger problem is we're sort of, apart from when you're a kid, you're taught not to think about these kind of things. You're just stupid. You know, Bigfoot <laughs> doesn't exist. Loch Ness Monster doesn't. There's no such things as ghosts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we're kind of, you know, geared to think when you get older, you shouldn't waste your time on stupid things. You know what I mean? But it's actually not. It's just... That's how we're brought up. We're expected to believe in this when you're sort of five years old, but not when you're 25 years old or whatever. Yeah, you're right. That's true. So and when true. people do have those experiences, then because of the, 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 the way you, we're primed not to think of these kind of things or think it's nonsense, when people do have these experiences, they kind of wrap it up inside themselves and don't tell people not, and that's the worst thing because there's a lot of people who've had similar experiences, you know, and it's always good to sort of share and um, know that you're not alone. And I think that people can become isolated because, you know, I mean, you can't, you know, I understand somebody, you know, going out for dinner with their friends, they're 
all 35 years old, shall we say, and one suddenly says, oh, I've seen the Slender Man. You know, you, most people are probably reluctant to do that, you know, because of the reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's one of the problems. People, it becomes tied up just with them. They've got no one to talk to. They're sitting at home worrying right. if it's going to come back. And, and that, then they kind of spiral into that, you know, that paranoia and fear. So. But that's what happens, like you mentioned earlier, the community. When I go to these conferences, and I've you know, I've just started doing it in the past couple of years, I set up a little radio booth, and I get to talk to people like Travis Walton and people like you. I have never ran into you, but I hope I get to one day, man, because that's going to be really cool. And then you got all these other people that are at the conferences, and they come up to you and they tell you their stories so openly. And then you go back to the real world, it's like, the one parallel that I see happening to everybody is, like you say, the glitches in the matrix or the synchronicities, you know. Yeah. But uh, the... Yeah, and I mean... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, one of the ones that things that crops up in um, the Matrix movies, and which, you know, you could say is, is evidence in our world of like a Matrix-type world, is when people have deja vu. You know, I mean, when you have that, it is like really weird. It's like, how can you think you've gone through this almost word for word or place to place, you know, when it clearly couldn't have happened? Or, you know, what if there really is a glitch in the Matrix and, you know, they something's gone wrong and so they have to rework the dream state that you're in two weeks earlier or five years earlier, that something's got to be tweaked, you know. And then you suddenly, your mind is filled with something that happened five years ago, um, but it's suddenly playing out again, you know. So uh, I do sometimes think that deja vu could be kind of evidence, in a way, of somebody that's controlling the matrix is tweaking things when, you know, there's a glitch, kind of the same way that Norton or Kaspersky, you know, correct something if it can on your laptop or whatever, so... Right, yeah, that's I get that. I really do. Hey, did it in your research, Nick? Did anybody ever say that they were out and they were with their friends or any or wherever, and there was just say there's more than one person, and one person saw the Slender Man, but the other person didn't. Does that um, ever happen? Honestly, not sure. I, I don't think I've got any cases like that. I would have to check if any friends have. What what I would say is for the most part, when people see the Slender Man, most of, most of the time they're alone. Um, okay. Now, I'm not... Well, when I say they're alone, most of the cases I've... Well, all the cases I've got, it's just one witness. Now, there's one case I talk about in the book um, which actually predates the Slender Man, but it's kind of really weird because, you know, when they, you had the... Back in 2014, the, the stabbing by the two girls on their friend in the the town in uh, Wisconsin called Waukesha. Well, Waukesha um, has a history of weird creatures, just like the Slender Man. People think it was just, it began with that attack in 2014. It didn't. One of the people I interviewed for the book was a guy named uh, Mike Huberty. And Mike, um, I interviewed him for the book, and he told me how he had an experience with this tall, skinny, shadowy, dark figure um, in the woods, just like two miles or so from where that attack by the girls occurred. But this, when he had his experience, it was like 1994. 
So, and he was with two, uh, two friends at the time, and, and all of them saw it. So there are a few cases like that where multiple witnesses will see it, but for the most part, it's just one person. Yeah, I was just wondering maybe because consciousness could be, you know, could be communicating with one person, but the other person's on a different level, you know, so I didn't know maybe yeah. if that had ever happened. But those stabbing yeah. cases, which was going to bring me to my next question, Nick, does this, do these entities, do they want to be worshipped or something? I mean, what is their agenda? If they are becoming self-aware, what do you think their agenda is? Well, that's part of it is, you know, they are, if they're self-aware, and they realize that they've been created. They want to hang on to, they want to hang on to life like all of us do, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the big difference is that the thought form, if you know how to do it, it can be deconstructed. It can be, like, destroyed. Now, there are two ways. One is by, um, is, is by essentially sort of um, using your mind to, to literally try and destroy it you know, by visualizing it falling apart or becoming, you know, its skin falls off or it becomes, you know, transparent and then it's gone. That, that is one of the sort of the key ways to try and get rid of it is to focus on you destroying it in your mind. Now, the other way, um, which is kind of interesting, is one of the theories is that uh, in addition to the Slender Man and all these other things having to feed on emotion, Part of it also relates to they get stronger the, the more that people believe in them and vice versa. So if you can teach people to stop thinking about it and stop believing in it, that alone can, dis can disintegrate the tulpa. But the problem is it's not that easy when somebody says stop thinking about the slender man or stop thinking about the black-eyed children or whatever – the first thing you do is you think of them, you know, and it's it's extremely difficult when you've had sort of this huge obsession or fascination with the Slender Man. It's incredibly difficult for people not to think about it because you're thinking about trying not to think about it, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like a vicious circle kind of thing. So, But if you can do that, people find that if they forget about it, they move on then the entity usually does as well because its main source of energy and, and life is, is walking away from them. So they're, they're forced then to go to somebody else. Well, I think that it's definitely a reality because if you look at the progression of the Slender Man, like you say in your book, you know, and um, I'm about halfway through it, but if you look at the progression – like you're speaking about first it's somebody creates it the next thing you know people are writing about it then it's on the internet and then it's in people's dreams and then now you got people going out to the woods and then it becomes an obsession now that is a a very odd thing if you think about it i mean we've all obsessed about cars and you know uh, whatever spin things but this thing actually this idea actually got someone to murder somebody i mean i'm not saying that the the people that did it weren't responsible. Obviously, they were. The judge ain't going to say, it was okay. Almost, it was almost murder. It was yeah. almost murder. Well, yeah. yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think the judge is going to say, well, it was Slender Man, so you're off the hook. But it's... No, no, that, that it wouldn't happen. <laughs> but obviously, something progressed, and it just kept getting bigger. You know, and that's kind of a, well, that's, that's... a scary thought. Mm -hmm. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's actually what happened with the two girls. What happened was, um, the, as I said, the, this little city uh, in a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, called Waukesha, on May the 31st, two young girls, 12 at the, the time, um, attacked in a nearby park and almost killed one of their friends, or, or former friends now, obviously. Um, but the two girls had really become sort of obsessed um, with the Slender Man phenomenon, you know, and, ha- and they had that classic obsession that so many people do, where they feel just, they're pulled in almost like a magnet, you know. And... Um, they, they, kind, they kind of went from just reading the stories and thinking about it, talking about it, to fully believing that there is a Slender Man. Now, whether or not, you know, somebody might think that's due to paranormal reasons or that, you know, their minds were so caught up that the, you know, reality and unreality got blurred and, you know, and then they took the, crossed the line in the worst way possible. But, of course, in a court case... Um, you know, you're not going to get a discussion of paranormal issues for why they did it because, you know, a court and the, and the police, their job is, is to look at it from the perspective of an attempted murder and were they, you know, in their normal state of mind, you know, in the sense that they knew what they were doing or, you know, are they, was it a psychological issue which would require them to have sort of, you know, hospitalised rather than prison time? And and now, you know, I mean, just recently, the, um, you know, the it's basically almost over, but the girls are going to be, you know, they were 12 when they did the attack. They're, like, um, coming up to 16 now or thereabouts, and um, they're going to be well, well into adulthood, mm-hmm. you know, um, 40s, 50s when um, they get out. Um, but, you know, there, there are people who have followed it from that perspective of, um, you know, a paranormal angle of the Slender Man getting into their minds. Now, of course, as I said, that you would never get that in a court case. It would just cause uproar, you know, and it, the case would probably collapse. So I'm sure they were, both sides were very careful not to address the, you know, any possibility at all of a, um, of a paranormal aspect to this, which is understandable. But, I mean, what that case did, that really, you know, even up until 2012, even though was, the following for the Slender Man was huge, there really wasn't, there really weren't many people outside of that community which had heard of the Slender Man. But when the attacks occurred, you know, that was on Fox News, CNN, MSN, you know, um, New York Times, Washington Post, everybody covered it. Um, and so that really then opened the Slender Man phenomenon to even more people. People, you know, see this headline, you know, um, girls attack friend in the name of the Slender Man. People are like, what the hell is the Slender Man? So, you know, you had an entire new audience coming along, um, which, again, provoked more and more sightings. So it's like a cycle that just keeps going on and on, you know. Right. 
Spooky stuff, man. This is some spooky yeah. stuff. Uh, we're going to take our last break here, guys. we got about 30 minutes left here. Uh, we're here with Nick Redfern, the Slender Man Mysteries. You guys stick around after these words. We'll be right back. Jeremy Scott, and I'm the program director for the network you're listening to right now. We are the Fringe FM. You've probably noticed some changes around here lately, but what we really want is to hear from you. If you like it, hate it, or you want some more, let us know. Email talkback at thefringe.fm. Leave us your thoughts by calling 501-777-5631 or message our Facebook page at the Fringe FM. This is the new Fringe FM. We rock the paranormal talk. Who were the real ancient Egyptians? What is it about ancient Egypt that captivates us all? The critically acclaimed series Magical Egypt is back with all new episodes. Let Chance Gardner and company take you on another adventure through Magical Egypt in the new series Magical Egypt 2. Magical Egypt 2 attempts a forensic reconstruction of the science of the ancients through a study of ancient aesthetics. Also, the best researchers and authors in the field like John Anthony West, Graham Hancock, Laird Scranton, Robert Duvall, Lon Duquette, Aaron Sheik, and more join together to explore the topics of the esoteric and the hidden messages of the ancient Egyptians. Just go to MagicalEgypt.com right now and put in the code word FRINGE and get 10% off any download or order, including the groundbreaking original Magical Egypt series, as well as the new episodes in Magical Egypt 2. Also, check out the great work and the companion series at MagicalEgypt.com. Click the banner on the Fringe FM or go to MagicalEgypt.com and use the code word FRINGE and get 10% off your order today while it lasts. Greetings, I'm Space Boy. I started writing music at an early age, inspired by such synth stylings of the Pet Shop Boys, Erasure, Craftwork, Art of Noise, and 8-Bit. I have crafted my work into a hybrid of synth pop with modern electronica rock music of today. With pounding beats, high-energy arpeggios, soothing orchestral movies, and rock and roll! Space Boy will surely be a part of anyone's music collection. So head on over to spaceboymusic.com and get you some cool stuff. Ever seen an extraterrestrial? It can be hard to believe they exist unless you've seen one for yourself. What if I told you I've seen them my whole life but have never had a witness who shared the encounter with me? Now, what if I told you I saw four of them, two with blue skin, and there are over 20 witnesses to this CE5 event? My new book, The Blue Beings, Visitation at the UFO Conference, documents actual accounts from real witnesses, many of which have gone on record to attest to this otherworldly reality. Be a part of the quantum paradigm shift that is taking place right now. Go to johnpolkmedia.com to get your copy of The Blue Beings, Visitation at the UFO Conference, on sale right now at johnpolkmedia.com. That's J-O-H-N-P-O-L-K media.com. Kids, don't drink in park. Accidents cause people. This has been a PSA brought to you by your friends at Shift Happens and The Fringe FM. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. You guys rock. 
Live weekdays on the Fringe FM. It's Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Monday through Friday at 9 Pacific, midnight Eastern. The Fenton Perspective with Lori and Fenton. Mondays at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. Project Compass with Mark Eddy and Dave Cruz. Mondays at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. Lighting the Void with Joe Rube. Tuesdays and Wednesday nights at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. Big Picture Science from the SETI Institute. New Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern. The Secret Teachings with Ryan Abel. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific, 4 Eastern. The Kurt Green Hour. Wednesdays at midnight, 3 a.m. Eastern. The Paranormal Code with Rich Giordano. Thursdays at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. Shift Happens with Gigi and Cortana. Friday at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. Is it live? Live. Weekdays on the Fringe FM. We rock the Paranormal Talk. On the Fringe FM app. Talk stream live. Tune in and online at thefringe.fm. Psychic Sundays. Spiritual communication. ET contact. Sasquatch in your backyard. We will have it all on Cosmic Passport with me, Elizabeth Anglin. Each Sunday, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, at spacedoutradio.com, I will take you on a journey of enlightenment. The goal is learning from the soul on out. We'd love it if you joined our experience, Cosmic Passport. Live Sunday nights at 9 Pacific, midnight Eastern on the Fringe FM. The Paranormal Talk. Hi, this is Ryan Gable, host of the Secret Teachings Radio Show. If you are interested in ancient knowledge and hidden mysteries, as well as a unique and balanced perspective on conspiracies, symbols, and the occult, then join me every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe. Paranormal. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. The U.S. military holds the ability to time travel. Jeremy Scott asks the questions that we're all dying to know. Wow, that's a remarkable question. Watch your step. Hide under your blankets. The show that is going to make you think. Prepare yourself for what you're about to hear. You're riding into the Parabnormal. Live Saturday nights at 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern on KTLK, The Fringe FM. Every region of the world and most countries can go back in their history and trace their origins, traditions, and religions to a creator god or an angel from the sky, the stars, heaven, or even underground from the underworld. This is the common story of extraterrestrials seeding our planet. My name is Reverend John M. Polk. I am an international metaphysical minister, a Reiki master teacher, and a medium. My book is Yahweh, the biblical God, is an alien. The premise of my book is that there is a real God and that Yahweh is a creator God alien who is indicating he is ready to reveal his alien origins to humanity at this time. Welcome back to Lighting the Void. I was uh, carrying on a conversation with Nick. Man, what a cool guy, Nick. Thanks for coming out to the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I almost yeah. went right through the break talking to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been a great show. I I just got a few more questions uh, just about the Slender Man. You know, um, I don't – when you look at the title, you think the Slender Man. Okay, what is this? Is this 
Is this a what do you say to naysayers? That's my big question. When people come to you because you're a vet in this field, and they're like, "Whatever, man." The skeptic. Do you just ignore them, or do you do you actually carry on a conversation with them and try to convince them about some of this stuff? Yeah, I'll carry. I'll have a conversation. I don't feel intimidated. I mean, I found early on, you know, when I first got into writing in my twenties about all this stuff. You know, you got to develop a, a thick skin, and I get in a lot of our. our um, arguments and fights with people you know and um, but that's how it is i mean you know i sort of tell it as i see it and if somebody says this is garbage or i don't believe it you know i say well here's the data you know if you don't you know if you're not happy with it here's the guy's name go and speak to him personally and see what you think he's saying um so yeah i think the responsible part is that if you firmly believe in something and you think you've got data to back it up you know, if somebody says, well, this is nonsense, it's just complete crap or whatever, you know, the, the responsibility is on our part, my part, to hit back, you know, and forcefully to ensure that you um, uphold your position and people know where you're coming from and that you won't just sort of cower in the corner because some debunker said something you didn't like. That, that's the worst thing you can do, you know. Right, yeah, they, it's real easy to say. Well, that's just that's just a bunch of bull because that's what they use. It doesn't logically make sense, or you don't have proof. Yep. And I've had my own conversations about proof, but you, I've also seen people that have said that, and then they have their first experience, and their whole world has changed. You know, they they yep. they're not the same anymore. Um, but I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, the nature of Slenderman because that's what I'm curious about. I know um, it seems to have some type of, like you said, it wants to keep living. It wants to keep feeding off mm-hmm. the, the energy that it's getting. Did anybody ever hear it say anything? I know it doesn't have a mouth, but has it ever communicated with anybody? Um, well, the only ones I can think of, there was that girl I mentioned, Lacey, at the flight attendant, where she heard like this sort of low, sort of raspy voice say it was something along the lines of i have to check in the book but it was some, along the lines of we're friends now or now we're friends that kind of thing um now as far as other people sort of communicating with the slender man it's more sort of done on like a telepathic way or as if the person suddenly visualizes the words in their head you know it's like the the thought has come from nowhere you know it might be a case like you know, they don't hear the slender man say, come down the stairs and out to the door and through to the woods, that kind of thing. But they get this sudden feeling that something is telling them to do that, whether they can actually hear or it's almost like an urge that you don't really understand. So I'm not, as far as I can remember, I'm not aware of anywhere, um, you know, people have seen the physical slender man um, in front of them you know, threatening them with words. But there are quite a few where the person felt that words or just an urge was being put in, like an order, if you like, was being put into their mind to do something. Um, and, you know, so it communicated that way, but but not vocally. Do so. you believe in possession, Nick? Like demon possession? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I do. Now... There's no doubt in my mind that happens, but I'm always sort of cautious as to how I describe it because when you, um, you know, you talk about possession, typically most thing people think of like um, demonic possession, 
And while I do think there are supernatural things that can, you know, can literally sort of get into people's minds, um, if you say they're demons, it kind of creates just one image, you know what I mean? Sort of these sort of demonic things from hell, and then you're thinking of like horns and forked tails and all that kind of thing. So I do believe that there are dangerous, hostile things um, in and around us, you know, in other realms of existence, sort of multi-dimensions. Now, one person would say, well, that supernatural creature in a multi-dimension is actually a demon from hell. And somebody else would say, well, it's actually not a demon from hell. It's a supernatural being from a multiple reality, which can be explained by quantum physics or whatever. So, you know, what, when you mention sort of possession and demons, it, it sort of creates a belief system depending on, you know, if somebody has a religious background or somebody has a science background. People, people would, you know, that they all agree on there's a, you know, a sense of possession, but you have different angles as to what a demon is. You know, is it a literal demon or is the, the demon sort of, um, you know, a, a fictional um, image to try and explain something that thousands of years ago they couldn't fully explain? Do you see what I mean? So, um, yeah. but again, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, when possession, demons, you know, what you're, if you have a religious persuasion or you don't, or you look at it from a science back, background, but, but it still comes down to the same thing. I do think there are dangerous supernatural things that have been perceived as demons, at least, um, and which can get into people's minds. You know, I've, there are enough cases on record where, you know, it's not people looking for attention, where something has got into their minds, you know. Right. A couple of questions from the chat room here. Uh, Joseph is asking, are cases, I think I understand this question, are cases of Slenderman relegated to the industrialized countries more? Or I'm, I'm thinking is, if he's asking, are they more around the city areas where there's industry or are they out in the country more, more cases? Well, actually, that is a good question. Um, now, for the most part, the we don't know why this is. And it may be because the original creation of Eric Knudsen was in this uh, was part of it. He he sort of planted the Slender Man in forests and woods. And apart from the sleep paralysis angles, when, obviously when you're in bed, um, most people who see the Slender Man in the real world, it usually is around an area of like forest, woodland, you know, or a, a glade, that kind of thing, where there are substantial trees. So that's that's one of the areas where they're often seen. Now, in terms of, like, geographical locations, I mean, the the Slender Man has, you know, huge followings all around the world. You know, um, it was created, Eric Knudsen is American, you know, it was created in the United States, but it's everywhere. You know, there are massive followings um, across Europe. I mean, Germany, for example, has a huge Slender Man following. And... Um, you know, you, you can find it anywhere. And I think, again, it's this angle of where, you know, we think people in other countries, uh, we don't know anything about them and, you know, anything like that. But really, at the end of the day, you know, people are people, you know. And um, even though we go to war with some of them and whatever, well, it's often governments that pitch us against other nations or whatever. Uh, but the people, you know, the normal people, the rest of us, 
we're not that different to each other, really, you know. And um, and I think that's why things like this, it doesn't matter the culture or the country or the geographic location, um, you know, the, you, if, people, if kids are kids, kids are going to get into things like the Slender Man. But, um, yeah, as far as I can sort of mainly think of, as far as specific locations, it's like forests, woods, um, places like that. Um, very often, in, in some of the cases, um, somebody feels compelled to go to the bedroom window and they see them in, like, the backyard or the front yard, sort of, you know, if you're on a two-story building, you know, they're sort of staring upwards or if it's, you know, you've got a one-story building, then they're sort of just looking straight at you and it's almost like they know you're going to come to the window. Um, so it's almost like it's the event is staged, you know, they're already in the woods, they're already outside the window, um, you know, as if they've already got you targeted. Yeah, there's certain things that seems to uh, seem like it triggers the fear in, the, in our subconscious, uh, like, you know, glowing eyes. I know you talk about that, and I don't want to give the book away, but you talk about some pretty interesting stuff about, you know, like red eyes in the book a little bit, uh, a blank face. Um, this thing, I wonder why sometimes, Nick, that we don't like to be scared when we're scared, right? We hate it when we're actually feeling that kind of fear. But it's almost like that we strive for it, if that makes any sense. You know, Black Sabbath well, said they didn't, does. you know, make a good album till they started doing horror music, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, everybody, well, I say everybody, I mean, a lot of us, you know, enjoy watching horror movies um, because you watch a horror movie and it's not real fear, but you still kind of like to get that jolt, you know, if something makes you jump in the movie or whatever. And, you know, you jump, and what do you do? Then you laugh, you know. Um, But we all like them. But when it's the real world, um, you know, there's also that kind of angle of fear for a lot of people because it's not like a a movie you can turn off or just, you know, you watch the movie and you turn, you put something else on, you know, the news or whatever. Um, It's not like that with these phenomena where they're, constantly around you so but yeah that there is something in our minds where you know fear well we know fear you know is is a massive source of entertainment with movies but also you know we have that angle as well of taking dangerous risks you know i mean parachute jumping or people going on a roller coaster you know what do they do they scream all the way through it or pass out even you know um but they want to do it, you know. So our minds are kind of complex in that sort of way, you know, and, and that might have something to do with it. The idea of the Slender Man can be drawn in by the fear because we do have this sort of love-hate relationship with fear, you know. It's um, yeah, it's like you know, we want to squeeze just, the orange, but we don't mate. want to. You know, we don't want the juice. I know, I mean, I've... I've done that too, like go out to a haunted place or visit something. I'm here for an investigation. I hope I see something. And something really happens, like you feel a hand on your shoulder. You don't – the next thing I know, Nick, I'm telling myself, I don't ever want to do this again, you know. And then later (laughs) as I calm down, then I'm out doing it again. It's almost like some weird elementary thing that takes over, you know. 
Well, that's probably what he, in a way, that is exactly what it probably is, you know. And uh, unfortunately for us, the way our brains are kind of wired, they know that we probably won't leave it alone forever and we will come back to it because it's like, it's so addictive. You know, it's kind of like the junkie who has to go every day without, you know, just fighting not to have another fix. You know, right. it's kind yeah. of like that um, where you you really want to get involved with it, but you know you shouldn't. And sometimes you, your willpower is strong enough and other times it isn't strong enough at all, you know. With a lot, you have a lot of fans, a lot of, uh, you've got a lot of books, a lot of great reviews, and I can tell you you're a great writer. So it makes me okay. wonder, what what is it that you, what boggles you the most? I mean, what is like, what do you think about the most? Uh, what is the biggest question in your head about reality or life, maybe? Well, I would definitely say, for me, the most, the thing that I kind of focus on most is when it when it gets personal, you know, when I'm looking into things like the Slender Man or the Men in Black stories, which, you know, aren't anything like the movies, the, the real Men in Black. You know, the, the movies kind of made them secret agents. But if you read the, most of the witness stories, they're sort of like paranormal and pale and skinny. They kind of look like well-dressed versions of The Walking Dead, you know. <laughs> they look <laughs> ill and sick. Um, so, for me, the most fascinating angle an intriguing angle and also you know you, you can get a bit hazardous is when it starts to impact on you and you get this sense that either something's watching you or you're being manipulated or it's just getting its grips into you which which does happen a lot and uh, for me yeah it's disturbing but on the other hand it gets you closer to the phenomenon and maybe it would allow us to tap into and understand more what it is but it's kind of like a really dicey situation as to whether you should do it but um but for me that's sort of if you when you have that interaction then it gets and it becomes personal that's that's probably the thing that sort of sticks in my mind more than anything else like what makes you keep going after this right why am i going after this that's yeah. what i think sometimes yeah why, too. Do I, yeah why do i do it when i know it could sort of hit you back <laughs> Yeah, everybody's playing golf, and this guy's all he does, he fishes, and this guy likes his TV shows. Why am I so interested in the paranormal and spirit science, and why do I keep going well, after this thing? One of the things I would say, you know, and, and one of the reasons why I think I've, you know, I've been pretty much okay, you know, apart from a few hazardous things, is that I actually have a lot of other interests, and I'm good at really good at, sp at switching off, you know. It's like I like to do my writing on the book sort of 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. I like to keep sort of like job hours, as I call them. I mean, don't, I don't consider it a job, you know. It's my passion, which I've sort of turned into a, a job, I guess. But, you True. know, so I, it's a passion still. And um, so I, I like to sort of do 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. And then I switch off, you know, unless I'm sort of promoting a book like now, doing radio or whatever. Um, you know, I literally stop at five. I, I put the laptop into sleep mode. I forget about it all. You know, Friday nights, I might sort of, you know, go out with a girlfriend to see a band. Saturday, me and a bunch of friends will go out to a soccer game. Sunday, you know, meeting up for lunch or whatever. And and I forget about it till Monday morning, you know. So, uh, and I think, that, I think that actually helps when, um, you know, you have, 
a totally normal life as well. You know, so I have to, people often say to me, did you see that new show uh, last night, you know, about UFOs? I said, no, I didn't see it. Well, why not? I was, seeing a, I was out seeing a Motley Crue tribute band or something, <laughs> you know. So, um, that's, but that, that's how it works for me. You know, I feel that doing the work, doing the research, but also being able to totally switch off for me, at least, you know, that that works well. So. Awesome, man. That's really cool. I need to take your advice on that, actually, and switch it <laughs> off a little bit. It makes everything so much better that way when it's not consuming you all the time, you know? Um, yeah, no, I don't think it's just the paranormal. I mean, it could be like anything in life, you know, but, um, but I mean, everybody's different. Some people thrive on it by doing it 24-7. There's nothing wrong with that. It, you know, it, it, it's how each of us respond in different ways you know right absolutely last question i'm going to take from the chat room catalina asked nick have you ever had an et experience ever no i haven't so that the i've had like i said the earlier in the show those weird um sleep paralysis experiences um I, although I've not had sort of a, an alien encounter, there have been a lot of times when I've been researching the UFO phenomenon and I've had a lot of synchronicities in relation to investigating the UFO phenomenon. So, you know, maybe there's a connection there, but I actually haven't, you know, an abduction experience or anything like that, no. And what, what's next for you? you got some conferences coming up you're going to go to? Yeah, I've actually got one uh, March the 17th, Saturday, March the 17th. That's called in the uh, Texas uh, town of Glen Rose, which is about an hour outside of Dallas. And um, it's called the um, Para Unity Fest. That'll be on Saturday, March the 17th. Then in April, I'll be speaking on the weekend of the 14th. I'll be speaking at the Ozark um, UFO conference. And then the following weekend, which is April the 21st, I'll be speaking at the um, South Texas Bigfoot Conference, which is just outside of Houston. Um, so those are the next um, three up-and-coming conferences I've got. Really cool. I'd love to see you speak at one, man. I hope I get to catch you at one. You never know with these t- with these kind of things. Um, but I really want to thank you for coming on the show. And your website is uh, nickredfern.14.blogspot.com, or is it just Nick Redfern? I hope I did. I say that wrong. I think I said that wrong. But yeah, Nick Nick Redfern Fortean. F R, which is F O R T E A N, Nick Redfern forty and dot blogspot dot com, and you can find me on Twitter, Nick Redfern UFO, and uh, I'm on Facebook. There's about seven or eight Nick Redferns, but scroll down, and if you see the one who's got like a black beanie on and about six earrings, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta, th- I gotta say, man, thank you for coming on, uh, lighting the void. I've always wanted to talk to you. It's been a real treasure to have this conversation with you. And I uh, hope one day we can do it again because oh, I know you, you're going to keep writing. Well, thanks. Yeah, I've been, you know, had a good time and we covered a lot of ground and a lot of good questions from the audience, which is always good, you know, to get. I like to get questions because, um, you know, you, you, you can see where the listeners and the readers are coming from, you know, what their thoughts and, and ideas are. So that's good. Right. Thank you again, man. I hope we can oh, do thanks. it again. This it's has good. been a pleasure. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll be a place to be on again. All right, great. All right, guys, that was Nick Redfern. Go out and get that book, The Slender Man Mysteries. And like uh, Tessa says in the chat room, good night, sleep tight, and don't let the Slender Man bite. Don't forget that this show was produced by the Fringe FM and cannot be rebroadcast or syndicated without written permission. 
and music was by Spaceboy at spaceboymusic.com. If you're listening live on the Fringe FM, Spaced Out Radio is up next. Thanks, guys.